When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Roy Wood Jr., host of the Daily Show podcast, Beyond the Scenes. We're going through some of our favorite episodes over the past year, and today we're talking about Trump supporters. First up, here's my dog, Jordan Klepper. He's been interviewing Trump supporters on the show since 2015, and we thank you for doing that, Jordan, because as a black correspondent, I didn't want to go out there and do it. Also joining us in this clip is Daily Show field producer Ian Berger, and we were discussing how these Trump segments come together, how they prepare for them, and what's it like when you're surrounded by nothing but MAGA hats? Give it a clip. Ian, Jordan, how are y'all doing today? Doing good, Roy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Roy. Excited to be here. You two are an interesting pairing. Because you all are part of the old guard, what we call the old guard in the building. You two are from John, the John Stewart era Daily Show. And you all have been just banging out. Like, Clepper, I've already told you this a long time ago. It's not fair to rank, so I'm not going to rank. But I will say you are probably, you take the most risks to me as a correspondent. For so the number one. Comedy. So number one. Yeah. Okay, listen, John Oliver got his nose broken. The camera kept rolling. We both would have went to the hospital. So John was, Oliver tripped and got his nose broken. Let's not, let's not talk about like he was in some hairy situation. Dude was running in a field, tripped for a B-roll guy, got his nose broken. Mark! <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh let's just start with the basics how are you both doing like burger i'll start with you because you're you've been in this shit for years just as a just as a part of the daily show but just what does your wife say to you when you okay. go yeah. hey baby it's time to go out again. Is it like Will Smith and Vivica Fox when it was time to go fight the aliens? In, in, in indeed, indeed. It's, it was exactly like that. Um, now, my wife's very supportive, there, but um, very uh, also um, rightfully concerned at times. Um, she always checks to make sure I think what we're doing is safe. She asks if we have some security with us, which we do. She asks for our plan if things go south. And then, especially in the last year, she kind of checks our coronavirus um, safety protocols <laughs> and she'll look at pictures of me from the field and kind of text me <laughs> immediately and be like, I don't, I don't feel safe with you being there. And I'm like, I'm here. What am I supposed to do? We're in it. I'm not going to hop on a train back to New York right now. But even pre-COVID, before you all were going out there, things were getting a little, little dicey because, you know, Klepper, the only thing that we ever did on the Republican side of the campaign trail, if I recall, was the 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 rnc convention in cleveland mm -hmm. in 2016 mm -hmm. we were going around then and it was a different tone it was a very different tone so how did these pieces start coming together jordan well i think from a very honest point like all jokes aside uh i needed health insurance uh, i was out of a job and it's the <laughs> one thing i can do because everybody else in that building doesn't have the guts to actually go outside and talk to human beings face to face so so once i got through that uh, <laughs> I mean, I think, quite honestly, I, I love doing this stuff. It's so fun doing that. Going to the RNC with you, Roy, and Berger and I have been doing this for, for years. Like, it's so fun to be out there in the thick of it. 
I love the political race. I love being a part of that. I've as as stressful as going to those rallies were uh, the the first Trump election, 2016. Like it was really. I'd rather be out there a part of it than watching at home screaming on my TV. So as the election came up and 2020 came up again. You know, I found myself with the show I was just working on, Klepper, ending, and uh, talked to Trevor and was like, hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to go out and do this. And he was game for it. Uh, Berger was game for it. We'd done pieces at Klepper, at Opposition, back at Daily Show as well. So we sort of, you know, Ian and I have been doing this forever and have kind of a shorthand with it and wanted to go out and be a part of it. Uh, it, it, I think the experience was different than what we expected. We thought we'd be covering all sorts of angles. Uh, then COVID hits and Trump goes wild and we're suddenly in the middle of an insurrection. So things got different. But as wild as that gets, I'd so much rather be out there in the middle of it. Agreed. I, I, I can honestly say I actually missed it as well. Um, prior to this, I was working on a show that's really not political. And we did one interview on this other show with Elizabeth Warren, and it was like the election was heating up, and I was like, I want to be involved in that again. I really want to be doing mm. that. And same thing as Jordan kind of came back to the show. I was like, let me go out and risk my life, please. <laughs> I mean, it is the fun thing. I will say, like, Berger and I will text back and forth uh, articles, things we're seeing, wild, insane shit. Uh, and you're having this conversation. That's a luxury at The Daily Show to have that conversation. It's so much fun to be like, we're talking about this here and tomorrow we can be on a plane and talk to the person who's starting this conversation or talk to other people that we can't believe if they believe it. Let's go talk to them and see what's going on. So like, <laughs> it is it is the ultimate luxury. It's what's so great about this job is you get to mix it up with those people. Uh, you get to hold their foot to the fire or you just get to see the chaos that is America up close. I'm going to tell you something that myself and some of the other talent in the building was discussing Um after you had your child, you had your first child not too long ago. And we were like, okay, well, we know he's going to do some paternity leave to be a father and bond. And everybody, every talent in the building, we were just like, please, God, don't let Trump do anything fucking stupid while Clepper's out. Cause I don't want to, oh my goodness gracious. Like, it, it was such a relief when you came back to the show, because I, I want to be honest as a black man, I don't want to be out there. How do you deal with the way people look at you when you're showing up to something and you're for sure not welcome? Well, I will say, I mean, you bring up a good point, and Trevor's called this out. Like, I do have the luxury of being a white man in America, which allows me to go to certain places, and that's not the thing that they're focused on. And so I can I can walk into a Trump rally, and I can I look I look like all the folks at a camouflage. Trump rally. Yes, I have, I have the cam. I have, I'm asshole camouflage. You, uh, but you look like you look like you're there to hear and see. You you, you look like an undecided white man at a Trump rally. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have like a sweatshirt on and camo pants. So it's not exactly fitting in. Yeah, it's the uh, kind of guy who's like thinking about buying a hat. He's got his hand on his back pocket considering, am I really going to wear that like, hat? The I'm bros already in the, the office will think this is funny. Yeah. What if I tell him about this event? It's the guy who's voted for Trump because uh, of economic reasons. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's the guy at that Trump rally. That's what I'm, that's what I'm portraying. And our cameramen kind of look like New York guys, like Brooklyn guys. So, like, I think I just think that they hate all media. So it doesn't actually matter what we look like. As you said, Roy, if we're walking around and Jordan has a camera following him and a microphone, he's the enemy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, unless he was like a recognizable person from Newsmax or something, they're they're hostile right away. Are you guys the liberal media? I have one word for you. You are controlled by the deep state. That's like four, five, six words, ten words. That's even two. That one's even two. But that's okay. Nice to be out there amongst my people once more. How's it going, guys? You guys are fake news. You are brainwashed by the cabal. And I have one word for you, fake news. You. The silent majority is done with your eyes. And I think that's always been the thing is there, there's a hostility there mixed with people wanting to one engage and two attention. And so we get people who want to talk to us. I think that's always the thing that like people sign their name saying it's okay for us to use this. Like they know they're on camera. They want to talk. They want to engage. 
And so once they've gotten past, oh, that's a person with a camera. I hate all camera. I hate all news. Then they engage. And I think it, it, there has been an evolution over the last few years, specifically the last year, both of the Trump voter who's gotten more angry and frustrated at the media. And they went from being winners and in, in power to claiming they're winners and not in power. And that has changed the whole vibe. And also for like our videos were pretty well seen. And so we kind of arrived there as well. And that adds a new element to it. Sometimes it means people want to talk to me more and engage. And sometimes it means we have to be a little bit more low key because people want to just scream at me whenever I pop up my big old head. <laughs> the hecklers grew as the our, our segments, you know, kind of got more play. Um, yeah. Hey, we're Clever, with you're not funny. You're not funny. Uh, I don't know what the decisions hey, are on that, but I'm telling funny. you, if Biden Clever. is legit, Clever. he would not one second, I got, I got some fans here. You're a wuss. You're not a man of God. I'm not. I'm not no, a, I'm no, you're atheist. a wuss. You're I'm a wuss, just like Trevor Noah. Aerosols. 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 Thank you, Don. We gotta take a break after that. Fake news! Fake news! Second fiddle to a second fiddle. He's the anti-American guy. Berger, what is the biggest difference to you in Trump supporters, just in the energy of these events from 2016 till now? Because you're essentially the guy that's got to have Jordan's back while he's in the shit. Yeah, as Jordan kind of hinted, like there was a change. 2016, their their rage was just directed at Hillary Clinton. Like it was like it was so focused. And they were excited. Then they win, and we started doing these events December uh, 2019. So the crowd was, like, cocky. They weren't angry at anything specific, and they didn't have a target because Biden wasn't the candidate. And then as it evolved, Biden, they didn't have this rage, white-hot rage at Joe Biden the way they had it for <laughs> Hillary Clinton. These extreme nations, they don't, they don't treat women with respect. We treat women with respect here. Yes, we do. That's an American ideal. Yeah. Tell me about your shirt. What's it say? It says, <laughs> Hillary sucks, <laughs> but not like Monica. Hilarious. So we were talking about treating women with respect. It's an American ideal that we treat women with respect. You got to give me the back of that shirt one more time. That's too much fun. Trump that bitch. <laughs> we don't even see the irony in it. I love it, right? When we started, we started doing these, um, they were kind of like cocky and feeling good about their, you know, Trump, their place, his place in history, their place as, you know, supporters and his chances of getting reelected. So, you know, they almost like took kind of jokes and understood it. And we're like, oh, yeah, big deal. But he's the president. We got, you know, we, we got everything. We got the Senate. We got half Congress. We, you know. The thing that I've always hated about the Klepper pieces is how some people will try to frame it. Like I read the, I read YouTube comments. I know you're not supposed to. Don't do it, Roy. You're better than that. That's my guilty pleasure. It's that or McDonald's. Okay. But I like it. Okay. You're better. You can do it. It's not good for you. It's not good for any of us. It's too late. I'm already, I I read them all. I do. I'm sorry. And there's, there's sometimes there's always the assertion of, Oh, well you tried to make that person look bad. But as I've always known it, in anything that we've done on the show, we're just having a conversation. Present to me your truth, and let's just see where this goes. Are you? How do you process these conversations in real time, Clipper? Because there's so many moments that are not scripted, and this person says something, and you turn it right back on them. You turn their logic against them literally on a dime. Uh, I mean, it's genius. I mean, it's like, how, how, how would you ask, you know, Einstein to describe relativity? Uh, I mean, sure, he could do it because he knows the theory of relativity. But, I mean, you get what I'm going for here. Uh, there's some things are beyond. Uh, well, I, I will say it's, it's I mean, this it, it sounds hokey. It's preparation and listening. I think what people don't see is the process of this, and it has evolved from the John days to what happened a few weeks ago. But what it has evolved too is like Ian and I know we're going to go out. We're we're we go to an event where people are going to uh, arrive and have opinions on. We see what the news of the week is, what people care about, and we start having conversations about what we hear they think and about the other perspective. And so we start to amass like the conversation beforehand. We think it through. We have what we call joke meetings, where it's Ian and I talking about uh, avenues of conversation, uh, ways to find humor in that. We bring in a writer from the Daily 
Daily Show who will just brainstorm ideas. And we literally walk out the door with pages of jokes and avenues and places you can go. Now, I will say, not a lot of those make it to the final piece. <laughs> and you'd be shocked. You have four pages, single space, hundreds of potential jokes, and the piece might have... <laughs> One, uh, but but it's all worthwhile because we've had the conversations. We see what the issues with the arguments are, and then we go out, and then you got to just fucking listen. I got Ian there, and he's off camera as well, and so we're both listening to this person, and we're talking about like avenues. And once you get out there, you realize the reality on the ground is different than what it is back in the studio. It's why going out is so important. It's what the Daily Show also does. Like we are there, and so the assumption you have is like everybody thinks this. You might get there, and you might have a page of funny notes and things you want to hit, and you realize they don't think that. So you let it go, and you find that new avenue and start discovering things. And as a guy who comes from improv, all the gold comes from discovery, and all the connections come from listening. And so you pay attention, and you ask a fucking follow-up question because it's the one thing that breaks every Trumper's brain. It's that they could be challenged with the question, why? And and you have them walk through why and more often than not, they don't know why. And so they get caught up in pretzels because yes, A, I'm a genius, but B, because they haven't thought it through. That's where we get so much of our humor from. Well, Jordan is obviously a genius. He's the greatest. You. Thank you. Number uh, one. As Roy said, he said number one. As Roy said. I, said I mean, people understand some of this, and this is Jordan retaining all of the like those four pages of questions or jokes in, in an amazing way. But some of this is debate prep. Like, we know that we are going to debate mask usage with people there. And we know, like, so you have to have some of you know statistics ready you have to have some of the science ready and jordan retains that and is ready to go when people are just like oh i heard it you know it doesn't it doesn't you know stop transmission and then jordan's like ready with like really <laughs> nobody says that except for all these people say the opposite and so that's kind of like debate prep but in a way like the debate prep happens when jordan and i are on a plane having a drink or at the hotel bar having a drink mm. and it's like that's what you do you talk through it and then jordan retains so much of it and then presses them and then finds you know gold in something that we didn't prep for you know I mean, I then some guy I mean. says he, some guy says he's made more money under you know donald trump than he ever did under barack obama and jordan asks him what do you do for a living he's like oh i'm a debt collector and then jordan lands the joke um so like you can't prep for that you just need jordan standing there asking the question and ready to pounce are you in a better place than you were four years ago absolutely absolutely is America in a better place than they were four years I ago? I believe absolutely. We now, have higher now, unemployment, we have 200,000 people dead due to COVID, and we have riots in the streets. Yes, let me just tell you this much. Yes, I'm doing much better. I'm literally making four times as much as I was making when Obama was president. What do you do? I work for a debt relief company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now as a debt relief employee, you make more money under Donald Trump. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's good to be a white debt relief collector. I do like that so much of it is how much can you retain from the conversation and argument you had at the bar the night before. It's like that is that is a skill set that you'd be surprised how uh, important it actually is. Burger is your drunken sparring partner. <laughs> it is. You go, you order a whiskey or two, you 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 have that uh, conversation, you you read on the news, you argue a little bit, and then you you wake up the next day and uh, with a sober mind, you uh, you have it again. As Jordan said, sometimes you prepared with like their arguments and you do that by reading the news and reading Twitter and reading your um, kind of racist uh, neighbors Facebook pages which I do <laughs> thank uh, you Carl a lot. yeah thanks for the prep <laughs> yes, Carl you have to and you're ready and then sometimes they don't bite on any of that and they they just go down a different avenue and Jordan is there to pounce and it's great well all those th- those moments that uh, are that stick out in my mind are all these things that you could never prepare for like you know we went to a rally and a guy throws his sister the nurse under the bus because he doesn't trust any doctors or nurses <laughs> my own sister's a retired RN and we're not talking right now because of her beliefs so when it comes to heroes there's doctors, there's nurses, and then there's the pillow guy. Yeah, yeah. What have you learned from Mike Lindell? He's Lindo? a true blue, what it, red, working American man. Which which co- which color? Blue, blue and true. He's a blue and true, red blooded white man. That he's you know got them all in there. Yeah. yeah. Or people start talking about racism in a way that you never expected, or you have the debt collector moment. 
you, you like all these things come out and you, you're not going to read that in an article, uh, which is what is so fun about those moments. Hey, big thank you to Jordan Clipper and Ian Berger for all of that wonderful, wonderful insight. Ian Berger does not care. Anytime, any place, he will cover the story. MAGA people, I was at the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March doing the story, and Berger was right there with me. One of the few white dudes at the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March. You know what? I'll tell you that story when we come back in August with all new episodes. How about that? We'll be back after the break. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Up next, we're talking to Daily Show correspondent Desi Lydic and senior producer Matt Nagrin, who work on the segment Desi Lydic Fox Explains. You know, she just pretends to be a Fox viewer that has watched nothing. Just, just give them a clip. I've been watching Fox News for 153 hours straight, so I can give you the lowdown on what's already considered to be the most corrupt presidency in the history of the United States. If you thought Obama wearing that tan suit was disgraceful, and Jesus knows I did, wait till you get a load of this. Take stock of Joe Biden's America. Dr. Seuss, illegal. Dr. Fauci, promoted. Dr. Scholz, so comfy. Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, hasn't been on TV since 1998. Is this the country we want to leave to our estranged children? In the segment you're about to hear, they're also joined by CNN's Oliver Darcy to discuss how Fox News fuels Trump supporters and how other news outlets are handling their own Trump coverage. I'm excited now to bring on a guest who actually does this in a more professional capacity. No disrespect to you, Desi, whatsoever. None, none taken. Uh, Oliver Darcy, uh, he covers politics. He is a senior media reporter for CNN. And the program that he does now, you know, Reliable Sources, where they really take a deeper look into what's going on with a lot of the same channels that Matt, that you and Desi watch for research. Uh, Oliver, welcome to Beyond the Scenes. Thank you. Now, you regularly, as a professional journalist, can I call you that? I know a lot of people try to dodge that title now. No, you can, you can call me that. You're not scared? You're not scared to be <laughs> a proud and open journalist in these I'm challenging a, times? I'm a proud and open journalist. <laughs> okay. You all cover a lot of the misinformation and conspiracy theories that bounce around out there. Um, when did that turn? Well, you know what? Let, let's... Let's go back in history with you first. When you used to work with Glenn Beck over at The Blaze, where you kind of swam in those waters professionally, and then eventually Mm -hmm. you got over to CNN, and then you are now the guy who takes a look back at that same environment. How did you make that? When did you decide to make the transition? What was it exactly that was happening in the world or with you personally? I I think I started off there. You know, I, I was always conservative growing up and and so when I was out of college, you know, working for Glenn Beck's conservative news site was sort of a was a cool thing. And I was sold the promise that they're going to do 
conservative news, but like do good conservative news. You know, like there are a lot of strong liberal websites out there. You know, Huffington Post is a good example of this, but they do solid news. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think a few years into that, I, I realized maybe that's not exactly what what they really wanted to do, <laughs> and so I made a a jump over to uh, Business Insider now. I'm at CNN, but it 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 has given me an interesting perspective because I am very familiar with a lot of the key players in the conservative news media. I know a lot of them still. I talk to them, and it's allowed me, I think, to really succeed on this beat. When you see something like you know, Desi, of course, is playing a character. But when you see people in the real world out there, you know, I won't say quite tinfoil hat with it, with their beliefs. But when you see people, you know, basically going, yeah, the vaccine and lizard people and, you know, Hillary's emails and Joe Biden's son sold me crack last night. Like when you when you see that type of stuff, what does it make you feel with regards to what conservative media has become? Well, Desi's segments are very funny until you realize that there are so many people who actually have those views and have, have been told these things and, and believe them. And, and so I think it's, you know, it's incredibly alarming. And I don't, I don't know uh, how we actually solve this problem because there are these incentives from whether it's Facebook or social media or just, you know, Fox News or talk radio, or, or whatever it is, there are these incentives to put these things out there to mislead other people, to give them what they want, the feel-good content, the red meat that, that really fires up the base. And I'm not really sure how we get out of it. So when I see people on, on television, you know, I was watching uh, Jordan Clapper, for instance, went to that New York City uh, anti-vaccine rally recently. It's yes, funny. Yes, did, because Desi and I said no. No, thank you. <laughs> He's funny, but like it is incredibly disturbing because these people have been sold a bill of goods uh, from from these dishonest actors um, who, you know, in many cases might not even believe this stuff that they're actually selling. You know, we know, for instance, that in the Fox control room, as they're producing these anti-mask seg segments now, they're all wearing masks, right? The New York Post, as they <laughs> put out these anti-mask things and say, you guys should repeal your mask mandates, they're required to wear masks at the office. And so when you know these things, it is frustrating as hell. Oliver, you can probably even connect A to B on some of these things because on Fox, they talk about like, do we really think the vaccine is safe? It might give you fertility problems. Six months down the road, who knows? And then the people in the Klepper segment are saying the exact same things. So you know where they're getting this. And it's there's no longer this like hypothetical that's like, is it bad that Fox is doing this? Or is it just <laughs> kind of fun? It's like, no, it's actually horrible. These people are absorbing it and repeating it out immediately. From your perspective, that must be like, yeah, this is the most obvious thing to see. Yeah, it's actually really frustrating too when we, we talk about like misinformation or people with vaccine hesitancy. Every story almost that talks about vaccine hesitancy should mention Fox News, right? Like yeah. it's like a very clear thing that's going on. It's not rocket science to make these connections. Yeah. Uh, but like there are so many people who who just don't want to, I guess, maybe they view Fox as a competitor. I don't know what it is, but they just don't want to go there and you don't hear that. And actually Facebook, you know, they get a lot of, uh, you know, they, they get a lot of blowback and, and, and they should get a lot of criticism. But you can at least make the argument that Facebook is doing something to kind of clean up <laughs> their, their platform, whereas Fox is like intentionally profiting off of anti-vaccine rhetoric, right? Like they are doing some really, really terrible things to society. And, uh, and they actually end up getting a pass a lot of the time. It's, it's really strange. I agree Desi, with you about that. Yeah. Desi, when we, when, when Oliver is talking about, you know, like the people that Klepper are talking to who are obviously drinking the Kool-Aid that's being served up at these right wing spots, yeah. is there a smidge of sympathy for people who have bought this horse? The people that you parody, is there any sympathy in that? Or is it just this is what they believe and we just got to get the jokes? No, I think I, I have a lot of, of empathy for people who are uh, getting all of their information from this one source that is peddling lies and untruths and, and, and people believe everything that they say. And in my opinion, one of the scariest things about 
Fox News is that they they have a way of making you feel like it is the only reliable source of information and you cannot trust anywhere else. And that's that's scary. I mean, I Oliver, yeah. you can speak to this better, but yeah. like that well, I, CNN does it too. CNN, they even hired James Earl Jones to make it feel like it's your father. <laughs> this is CNN. I'll beat your ass if I catch you listening to another network. It's always a daddy. Every news network is a deep voice guy. Oliver, where do you think this political? I'll tell you where I think, and you Mm -hmm. tell me if I'm right or wrong. The politicization of the news and like this debate culture, to me, and Nagrin, I know you watch this show too. I think it all goes back to debate culture on ESPN, like mid to late 90s. Where I felt like, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like sports kind of did. I mean, there was there was crossfire and Tucker Carlson and whatnot, but in James Carville. But I really feel like this this era where an opinion is ratings, but somewhere along the way, we the viewer mistake opinions for facts and research. Well, I, I think you need to separate for one opinions with propaganda, right? Like. We know, like, I think, I think it's fine if Fox wants to have the conservative, you know, person who's, you know, giving their, their opinion on the news and it's based in fact, I think that's, that's totally fine. That's, that's part of a healthy political system. You know, you hear the conservative, maybe you hear the liberal, you hear someone else and and you make up your, your mind. The issue here is that they're not doing that, right? They're just inventing things out of thin air that, that support their guy, like it's it's a sustained propaganda effort on behalf of these people to keep them watching this channel, and so I think that that's the issue. They're they're not playing by any facts or any rules. They're just out there, and it's really you know a truth versus fiction sort of thing. So I, I think maybe the cable news culture may have been born out of ESPN. I was, you know cable news was around long before you know I started covering it, but the new phenomenon where Fox is just totally detached from reality. I, I, I think I'm not really sure where that comes from. Maybe Matt has some ideas, but it, it, it's new. That's, that's new within the last, I think, even uh, five years. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think the complete uh, 100% false propaganda stuff came right at the end of like the second half of the Trump campaign, basically after he right. got the nomination. And then it became like, Oh, none of these allegations about him uh, sexually assaulting women are true. Obviously, that's not true. This man is perfect. And once you cross that line, it's like, cool, everything is is everything that's true is now false. It's surreal to see it like become. I know that I can turn on Fox at any point between 7 and 10 p.m. and I won't hear something true. And that's absolutely crazy because even six years ago, you could turn it on and hear something that was like bad, uh, but it, you weren't guaranteed to get something that wasn't true. Uh, I, uh, on the cable news culture thing, I know this is like, you know, this is part of your your home too, but like there's a lot of this element. I think what Roy was talking about with like going back and forth like a sports show, you know, NBC has Meet the Press. They have these panels that's like Rich Lowry is on there. Like that's not great. ABC has Sarah Isger and Chris Christie. That's not great. Um, like CNN hired Kaylee McEnany. Those, like these people were were not good people, but they were allowed, they were getting paid to essentially say things that were not true. And I'm not, I don't want to put, I'm not putting you on the spot by saying, ah, oh, it was bad that we did that. I'm just pointing out there is a problem with, uh, as you said, not separating opinion versus propaganda. It's right. totally fine to have someone, uh, a conservative on a news channel and be like, I actually think we should privatize blank. And then the liberal says, actually, it's more efficient if we run it like this and let the viewer decide. That does not exist. There is no channel that does that uh, accurately right now because the Republican Party has moved all the way into misinformation and propaganda. So all of those people who are bad actors are now, when they're presented as people who just have opinion, that's misleading and they should be labeled as completely false. None of this is true. Why are they even here in the first place? So So then to that point, Matt, and Desi, you can chime in here if you like as well. If the Republican Party has decided to in, to entrench themselves in a lot of lies for the sake of popularity and staying connected to the base, or in Fox News's case, to keep the ratings going, you got to sell what the people you got to show people what they're buying, and they want right now they want lies, so you show them lies. The other side of that coin, though, is as a news organization, if you're ABC or NBC or CNN, 
do you just not have anyone on from that side of the line? If most of the popular people that are going to be bringing ratings are, are also bringing lies, is it, I can't believe I'm saying this. Is it fair and balanced? <laughs> <laughs> like 10 lawyers running into your house to serve you season to season. <laughs> is it fair and fair and morally equitable? Haha, <laughs> fuck you lawyers. <laughs> is it go. fair and balanced to do that? Or do you just have on the Republicans who are still more centrist for the sake of having a balanced newscast, knowing that it won't get you the same ratings and then your show could get canceled? Jeez. <laughs> is that to me? Who wants to take that? I thought, I thought it was, no, I thought, no, you're no, the expert. You guys are the experts. I was, I that was no, no, I'm just asking Matt because I know that I, I know the issue I is know. they're putting liars on, I, and I agree with you. Yeah. So then, do you just not have anyone from that side represented within a debate, or do you get Republicans is, that don't move the needle I, that make the show less electric, which is what they're trying them, to sell? Do yeah. you have them on and call them out and fact check them? Yeah, I, this is like the oh, big oh. debate, right? Right. I think in general, though, like and Matt probably might disagree with this, but I think in general, though, we've we've seen people move away from having the Kaylee McEnany's of the world on cable news. Like you, you generally do not see that sort of thing. Um, I do think it is uh, a thing that newsrooms discuss, though, because you don't want to shut off. You know, like like you're saying, you just don't want to shut off what uh, someone who you know thirty percent of the country. Uh, may think represents their views. And I think there is actually something somewhat valuable when you have someone like that on and you see their narrative just totally fall apart under, you know, some like persistent questioning from like Jake Tapper, right? Like when when he's doing an interview and and their narrative just falls apart, like that's Mm -hmm. that's very valuable, I I think, to Mm -hmm. to, to demonstrate to others that... Pamela Brown. Pamela Brown. President Trump told Bob Woodward the first week of February that he knew the coronavirus could be spread through the air and that it was more deadly than the flu. But two weeks later, he said at a rally that coronavirus was the Democrats' new hoax. Is that acceptable to you? Is that misleading the public? You're talking about the uh, the Woodward book? Yes, the Woodward book. Yeah. Um, all I can do is share with you my point of view, Pamela. Uh, these these gotcha books don't really interest me that much. He's on the record. He's on the They're, record. These these gotcha books don't really interest me that much. The Good. bottom line is he told Bob Woodward privately that this was a deadly virus and that it was airborne. Didn't the public, didn't the, the citizens in your home state of Louisiana deserve to know that as well so that they could change their behavior appropriately to protect themselves? Well, number one, Pamela, I'm not going to repeat what I just said, but I, all I can tell you is what my personal experience has been. Number two, let me say a word about, uh, about this infatuation in Washington with who said what to whom. I learned pretty quickly but, up here. No, Senator, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you do this. Okay, this is... I understand there's so much politics right now. We're two months away from an election. But this is life and death. I think that's the proper way to do these things is is not to maybe, you know, just allow them to come on and just share a point of view necessarily that's factually inaccurate or not tethered to reality, but to actually challenge them. Um, I agree. I, I do think that we've seen, you know, and I, I, I don't like making general remarks or, or, or wide sweeping remarks, but I do think generally the news media has moved away from having you know, the, 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 the Kayleigh's on. And, and if they are going to have them on, really putting them, you know, putting what they're saying under the microscope. It's interesting. I, two days ago, or yeah, two days ago, Nikki Haley was on Face the Nation, didn't get uh, like any pushback about anything she was saying about Afghanistan, even though it was a lot of it was in bad faith. But I do, I do see your point. I think p- uh, there are no longer Kaylee McEnany's getting paid by uh, like cable news networks. I think that's true. The point about pushing back is like so important because how many people can actually do that? Like in reality, I'll give you Jake Tapper, Pamela Brown. I'll give you Jonathan Swan. I'll give you, I think Mehdi Hassan's really good. Um, I mean, are there that many people who are... Terry Moran had a good interview with um, Paris Denard on ABC where... Paris would Paris Denard is a Trump supporter would not say that Trump lost the election and Terry for four minutes 
was like, just say it. Just say he just say Joe Biden won. And Terry Moran was like, Joe Biden is the president. Roy, you we did a video about this. You remember this, right? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's it's painful. why can't Republicans admit that Trump yeah. lost? Joe Biden legitimately won the 2020 election. And yet a strange phenomena has arisen from the mist. Republican mouths are unable to formulate these words. Watch this. Is it a legitimate election under our Constitution and laws? Yes or no? Joe Biden is the president. The election was not stolen, correct? Look, Joe Biden's the president. Republicans seem to know that Joe Biden is the president, but not how that happened. Do they think a stork delivered Joe Biden to the White House? Do they think he tunneled into the White House? Like some sort of reverse Shawshank. Do Republicans believe in an immaculate inauguration? Yeah. And so like well, those that's good questioning. Those people should be commended and just held up as examples of how to interview these people. But the reality is that like most people can't do that or they choose not to do that. And I think the difference between this, the debate of should you have these people on versus leaving them off comes down to are you going to have them on with people who know how to treat them? And I don't think there's more than like six people who can actually do that. So that's that creates this hole of of um, just bad, bad interviews. Big thank you to Desi and Matt for all of that wonderful, wonderful knowledge. After the break, we're going to talk January 6th. Where were you January 6th? I know where Jordan Klepper was. We're going to revisit a clip where he broke down what it was like to be at the insurrection. And the homie Chris Hayes from MSNBC will be on as well. It's Beyond the Scenes. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount+. And the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Right around the first anniversary of the January 6th insurrection, we wanted to talk to Jordan a little more about what he's seen in the field since the insurrection. We also talked to MSNBC's Chris Hayes about how the media covered the insurrection and What's next for our democracy? I'm scared. Give me a clip. Chris, what would you say is the big was the biggest failure in reporting as it relates to January 6th? Let's critique our media co-workers here. I would say that one thing that happened, and I think that I actually think it's been I think the reporting in the wake of it's been quite good. I think one misapprehension people had when watching it was that it was kind of goofy. And I think that was because of what the cameras were showing as opposed to what they weren't showing. So because you have cameras in the galleries, you know, what you saw was like the shame, the Q shaman comes in and he sits on the chair and it all seems like yeah. stunty and weird. And they're all like recording themselves. And it's only later when you start to get the footage of like the cop who's being, you know, pressed in the door and, and Michael Fanone being dragged through and the body cam footage and the assaults and like, um, and then the, you know, Ashley Babbitt attempting to vault through that broken window and the gunshot that 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 killed her. So I think there was a little bit of a misapprehension in the beginning. I think it's probably stuck with some people. In fact, some people, I think Tucker Carlson's one example, have tried to like keep that going. Like, oh, isn't this a goofy, funny, like it's ridiculous to be scared of these people. What are you talking about? So I think that's a misapprehension that was pretty prominent in the beginning, but I think has been, I think has been turned around. I mean, I think most Americans think what happened there was completely messed up. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think the problem with January 6th is that people don't get that it was bad. Um, or, you know, I, I just think that there's, the, the, the bigger problem is this, that fundamentally the Republican Party as an institution is radicalized against democracy and that they have 
that that there has been a slow the institutions of the country have been slow to recognize that and they have faced no political price for it among voters you've gone on record in, in saying that this should have been one of the craziest events in the last 50 years of history the klepper why do we care more about kim kardashian dating pete davidson what what i mean what's the attraction well, I just, but she I wore the yeezys she wore the yeezys <laughs> when on they the went out the... on the date come on that's wore <laughs> your husband's yeezys to go out with the new guy <laughs> there's so many articles day in and day out of why why don't we see more outrage towards this thing or this thing and i do think there's there's an overrepresentation as to uh, how many people are actually actually give a shit about democracy, and not in the sense of like, oh yeah, it's important, it's important. I'll say that uh, to an interview or what have you, but like uh, our interest in the political ramifications of what happens day in and day out. Mo most people I talk to there on January sixth, again, it's are there for the show and are there for the identity, and I don't think would even articulate seeing government as something that needs to play a role in helping them and or helping society. In fact, they've been outside of the whole political world for years, and it wasn't until this new character came in who welcomed them in that they felt they could be a part of it. Uh, but again, it became about winning above uh, restoring democracy, creating a working government that could uh, benefit uh, people who are in need, protecting people, things of that nature. Like That actually was never an interest to a lot of the people we talked about. It really was just simply about the... The, gamifi the gamification of uh, the not only the election, but then what happened after that. And so, so when you're like, why, why, why are Americans more interested in this and not focused on how democracy is crumbling? Because we were never interested in democracy as an idea. We were interested in democracy as a, um, a, a bullet to put in a gun that we could shoot to win the contest of uh, my team beat your team. And, 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 and that's where I'm just like, oh, I don't think Americans are that into politics. Uh, politics is something to uh, 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 to utilize government so that its role can can help you uh, ultimately. Uh, they're they're right. into or games like, or like civic work. You know, I mean, I yeah. think that's that. You know, it it does. Um, it, it is very identity based, mm -hmm. and I, and I also think, look, the, the attentional imperatives here, to your point, like are hard in a, lot, in a million different directions. I mean, people getting people's attention about anything is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's like, you know, we've never had more. Um, there's never been more things tugging on our attention. There's never been things that we needed more focused attention on more. Um, and here I'm thinking of the, 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 the climate challenge, which is like quite literally the, the largest challenge that humans have faced since we started civilization. Well, maybe if mother nature bought some Instagram ads and was an influencer, right, right, exactly. but continue. Sorry. Didn't mean to <laughs> Those attentional questions are really hard ones. They're ones I struggle with too. Um, and uh, I don't know the answer to them, but you know, there are a lot of people that are paying a lot of very close attention. Um, there are a lot of people who understand what, um, how serious things are. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways I think there, there's an argument made that you've never had more discussions about democracy itself as a sort of topic of conversation in my political life, you know, uh, that where, the issue about like, are we going to maintain democracy? Are we going to strengthen democracy is like an actual topic of conversation that wasn't really the case, I think, like 10 or 12 or 15 years ago. What could we expect when it comes to the future of democracy being attacked? Because the thing that I find that's interesting now is that a lot of the people that stirred the pot in 2016 have been deplatformed. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the ways that these types of people can find each other and the hornet's nest can be stirred up is not the same. Trump is not on television as yep. much. A lot of his cronies are not on television as much. So could they still mobilize like this again? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds. I know that Republicans have worked very hard to put people in positions to do and pull off what they were not able to do and pull off last time. You have the Secretary of State being primaried in Georgia. You got the Secretary of State election in Arizona with sort of like avowed adherence to the big lie pro-coup forces. You got a pro-coup primary challenge of the governor of Georgia, right? All these people essentially, whether saying it implicitly or in some cases explicitly, saying like, I will do what was not done before, which is deliver power into the hands of the candidate who lost because I don't recognize the legitimacy <laughs> of the majority because they're not my people, right? So 
I really worry about that. And look, at one level, like there's technical problems here about the way that the law works and who's administering elections, but there's sort of a deeper problem. Like I think about this old Yogi Berra line where he says, uh, you know, they should move first base closer to home so there aren't so many close plays at first, which is like, you can't, like, there's no, so like, there's going to be close plays at first wherever you put the base, right? It's like, yeah. if you have one of two major American coalitions mobilized against democracy with the belief that the other side is illegitimate by definition and cannot legitimately win, whatever happens technically around election law like matters, but ultimately like the threat is that. That's the deep threat. And that threat is there and growing. And so I don't know what it looks like, how it plays out, but look, elections end when the loser acknowledges they're over. Like as a function, as a, as a functional matter, that's the definition of the end of an election. And that can't be, if there's a side that will never acknowledge that, then that we're in totally different territory. So it sounds like we're fucked, Jordan. I think that's what he's trying know. to I say. Think, very I, but if cooler heads can prevail, then it's going to be all right. And there's a lot of cooler heads out there. You, know? <laughs> you talk to him all the time. I talk to him, yeah. yeah. Let me send you some links. Uh, it'll put a lot of faith in uh, humanity and our democracy. There are cooler heads out there. There were people who did the right thing last time. And I think there's a lot of people in America who have a deep, a deep patriotism and civic um, a sense of solemn civic duty who did the right thing the last time around. And I hope they're there the next time. Big thank you to all of our guests, especially thank you to Jordan Klepper for going to all them Trump rallies because me and Dulce don't want to go. We appreciate you for taking that L for all the other people at the show. Thank you very much. Listen to The Daily Show Beyond the Scenes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be on the lookout for all new episodes coming this August. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.